Yo, Albert Tate Podcast Season 1 and a half. It's the remix season. It was time for me to fire myself. Nobody understands what I've had to endure to get and achieve what I've done. Don't feel embarrassed about your call. I feel like we're at this threshold of opportunity. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Albert Tate Podcast. This is season one and a half. We call it the season one remix, where we're taking all the conversations that we had in season one and revisiting them, but this time going a little deeper. Yo, if you listen to the season, you know we hit some heavy stuff and had some amazing kingdom conversations. I want to dig in a little bit. I was asking them questions. They were doing all the talking. This time, I get to do more talking. A brother was struggling. I was like, yo, I want to speak. So I get a chance to talk a little bit about some of the conversations and kind of my reflections on the conversations we had in season one. Today, we talk about endings uh, with Dr. Mark Laberton. Dr. Laberton, uh, president of Fuller Seminary, when I tell you this conversation, I've listened to it over and over again, and it keeps speaking to me. I keep getting nuggets and gleaning words of wisdom from it. We talked about endings, um, and it's so interesting. There's a time and place for everything. Endings are inevitable. We, uh, there's a time to live, there's a time to die. There's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry. There is a time for everything and there's a time for endings, but they catch us the most off guard. It's like we are prepared for things to begin. We are excited about them when they begin. But when things end, most of the trauma in our life came from things that ended and we weren't ready for it. We didn't see it coming. We didn't expect it. And we're not prepared and don't know what to do when God says, it's over. It's time. It's time for a new season. The world is set up on seasons. There's a spring, there's a fall, there's a summer, there's a winter, there's a beginning and an ending to each one of those. But for some reason in our humanity, we get caught off guard by endings. I want to talk about a few things that will help you. Um, when it comes time to end. And some of the things just from my own personal life, honestly, that caught me off guard. Uh, One of the first things was that um, I didn't think they could make it without me. That's one of the lies that the enemy tells you. It's one of the strategies that it uses to get you stuck in a place and stuck in a season. I never forget, I talk all the time about pastoring 14 people. Uh, in Pelahatchee, Mississippi. I was pastoring a small church in Mississippi, and I had been there for five years, and the Lord had stirred my heart. It was time for me to move on to my next assignment, time for me to move on to the next church, but I I didn't see it coming. Um, I was graduating from college. I was feeling like it was over, and then God gave me a vision for what was next. But you know what I couldn't get past? Those people. I would served them for 14 years. When I tell you, God had done some amazing things. Um, those 14 people for five years, I, I, we had bled, sweat, tears. And immediately I thought, what are they going to do without me? How are they going to make it without me? This church, I brought finances to the church. I brought an energy. I brought a sense of vitality. God used me to do all that stuff. And I'm clear, I didn't do it in my power, but God did some amazing things. So I dread it. i never forget the conversation that I would have to have with, it started with my deacon and his wife. They had been with me for, for the, from the beginning. Deacon Jones and Sister Jones, I called my friends, my family, and we had prayed about this moment um, and how they were gonna make it. Um, 
without us. Our church got assigned pastors by the bishop. So the bishop would have to assign pastors to the church. So I was like, Lord, the bishop is gonna have this huge assignment. So I never forget it was August 1st, that Sunday. I had the folks praying, my friends praying, pray for this conversation. Cause I don't know how they're gonna take it. Because when I leave this church, I don't know how they're gonna make it without me. I take them to the back. It's before service started, I never forget it. I'm, I'm prepared for tears. I'm prepared for the worst. Um, Sister Jones and Deacon Jones are back there and I just said, I had this speech, I said, guys, God's called me to Southern California. Um, and I have this new assignment and I've been praying and unfortunately, this month is gonna be my last month here at the church. And I kinda, kinda looked down and Deacon Jones, his words, I'll never forget them. First thing came out of his mouth. It shaped me since that day. He looked at me and he said, who the bishop gonna send here next? I thought to myself, what, huh? Yeah, who, who the bishop gonna send here next? I wonder who he gonna send. I gotta call him and see who he gonna send here next. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> who the bishop gonna send here next? After all these years, he didn't cry. He didn't say, good job. He didn't say, boy, we gonna miss you. He immediately went on to the next thing. Listen, I thought this man was going to be just, just overwhelmed by my absence. It took him about 30 seconds to get over the fact that I wouldn't be there anymore. It made me mourn all the hours that I spent worried about what's gonna happen. Listen. Let me just tell you something right now. If you're in a situation and you got an ending coming, people will move on. They, they don't need you as much as you think they do. If people is what's holding you in this next season, let me just tell you right now what they're going to say to you. Who the bishop going to send here next? They're already thinking about the next thing. They're already thinking about who's coming next. So stop being worried about people and don't allow people's expectation of you to keep you from the destiny that God's promised you. Don't allow people to keep you stuck in a season. They'll be fine. You ain't God. You will leave and the sun will rise. I know, I know. And it's not even arrogance. I wasn't being arrogant, but I was just thinking, these people, they need me. No, they don't. They need Jesus. And Jesus used you for a season and he'll use somebody else in the next season. Who the bishop gonna send here next? Allow those words to wake you up to the reality that people can make it without you. Don't allow them, to, don't allow your assumptions about their reality to keep you stuck in a season too long. The other thing that I learned about endings is don't allow your comfort to come at the expense of kingdom. Don't allow your comfort to come at the expense of kingdom. I was working for a ministry and I loved it. It was one of the first assignments that I ever did in ministry. It was when, where I got my wings. It was where I learned how to do it well. It was the first time I did leadership. It was one of the first assignments. This was pre-pastoring. This is just me uh, with this youth group kind of thing. And I, um, I loved it. I came alive. It's where I got my identity in ministry. It was everything. And it was going great. But I heard the whisper of God say, Albert, it's time to move on to the next season. And I just immediately thought, that must be the devil, because why would God want me to leave something so great, so effective, so amazing? Why would God want me to do that? Why, this is the devil. Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You don't want me to leave this ministry. 
I had a couple of friends come and confirm it. Said, Albert, it's time to move on to the next day. I could not see it. I loved it so much. The people loved me so much. I was so comfortable. I knew what I was doing. I was effective. I was good at it. Why would I leave? Reality was, I was comfortable. And the idea of doing something else that disrupted my comfort, I just thought was the enemy. Turns out it was God. What he tried to accomplish in a whisper, he ended up having to do with a shout. Those people that I love, those people that I was so comfortable with, and like that, that they loved me and I loved them, and we had just did, yeah, they started to get on my last nerve. They started to lie on me. Um, there was a distrust that began in the relationships with those folks. Um, it got very uncomfortable. So God said, all right, before I allow you to allow your comforts to come at the expense of my kingdom, I'll just disrupt your comfort. So where I used to go and I used to love every minute of it, now I went and I hated it. The people were irritating. It was frustrating. And God had to frustrate me out of my place of comfort to get me to a place of faith and calling and kingdom. Some of you are in a season and you're in a place and it's starting to get frustrating. You used to love it. Now you're frustrated, but the idea of leaving creates such fear. Maybe God is disrupting your comfort and trying to usher you into kingdom. Don't allow the comfort of where you are to cause you to miss the place of kingdom of where he's calling you to be. If you are really comfortable, you're probably not experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of God. Because usually the, the kingdom comes with a sense of displacement, disruption, and it feels like a distraction. But now that I know, looking back into my life, God was calling me to preach. And there's no way I would have ever answered the call to preach if I wouldn't have left that comfortable season of ministry that I was in. Listen, people can survive without you. And don't you let your comfort keep you from the calling of the kingdom. End where you are so that you can experience the beginning of a new you and a new chapter. Third and finally, the last thing uh, that'll keep you from, from fulfilling a beautiful, necessary ending is you hadn't seen it before. I hadn't seen it before. i never forget I was at a great church in Southern California now. I'm at a mega church doing amazing ministry. And God calls me to plant a church, a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, intergenerational church. I had a good job. I had benefits. Church planners don't have benefits. Have you seen them church planners? They look hungry. They all thin, wearing skinny jeans. They ain't wearing skinny jeans because it's a style. They're wearing skinny jeans because that's all they can fit because they're starving. Like, it is, it is not this beautiful thing. John the Baptist? Come on, who wants to model their life after John the Baptist? Eating locusts in the wilderness? Like, no, this is not my calling. You know what I'm saying? I want to be like King Solomon, like in the temple, kicking it. You know, I was... Man, I was at a church. I was so comfortable. It was amazing. And God told me to plant a church. And I was like, I ain't never... A gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, intergenerational church? I've never seen it before. But since I'd never seen it before, it was easy to dismiss it. It was easy to stay where I was. But God says, no, I'm giving you a vision. And he started to give me glimpses of it. And it was so scary. Sometimes God will call you to something. Let's be, let's be honest. Most of the time he'll call you to something 
that's scary. To be honest, if it's not scary and intimidating, that's probably not the Lord. If you can figure out how to pull it off in 10 minutes, that's probably not a God-sized vision. That sounds like a me-sized vision, but God had given me something that I've never seen before. So the idea of stepping out, <laughs> it's easier just for me to stay where I am, but God was saying, no, I'm ending where you are, and I'm calling you to a place you've never seen before, and it's going to require, here it is, friends, faith. Imagine that. You're gonna have to have faith in this next season as God calls you to do something and to be something that you've never been before, you've never seen before. You know what it created in me? Sense of faith and dependency upon God. Because he showed me in a vision what I now see on a weekly basis. I'd never seen it before, but I could never experience it. Here it is and here's the lesson. I could never experience the new thing until I ended the old thing. And when I ended the old thing, I had to walk by faith and not by sight. What do you need to end? Don't try to manipulate and get all the pieces to the new thing. You won't see it clearly until you end the old thing. What do you need to end? Number two, who are the people that you are have allowed to keep you stuck because you're so afraid of how they're going to survive without you? They'll be okay. You can go back to school. The kids and the nanny and, and mom and, and big mama can help care for the kids. The kids will be okay. What's keeping you from starting that new business? What's keeping you from getting that ministry started, that Bible study in your house? What's keeping you from taking that class? Don't allow people to cause you to be stuck. And most of all, don't you allow comfort. You're sitting there comfortable listening to this in your car, just chilling, you all comfortable. What if the kingdom is calling? What if the kingdom is calling you? And the call inevitably, without a doubt, will disrupt the comfort. What does it mean for you to let go of the comfort? Say yes to the kingdom. <sighs> Embrace the ending so that you can receive the new beginning that God has for you. Yo, thanks for listening. Those are just a couple of thoughts that I've had about endings in my life. I hope they inspire you. I hope they encourage you. And if you're in something that needs to be over, I just pray that you would grab the courage. I know that God is going to give you the grace to walk into the necessary ending so you can experience the joy of the new beginning that God has for you. It ain't over. You just get started. Stadia is a church planning organization whose vision is to see a world where every child has a church. Though our vision is God-sized, our mission is simple, to plant churches that intentionally care for children. Called and affirmed leaders who plant with Stadia are demonstrating what it means to plant churches that don't simply survive, but thrive. 90% of U.S. churches planted by Stadia are still engaged in their mission on their fifth birthday. And globally, more than 40,000 children have been sponsored as a result of U.S. churches partnering with our high-impact, like-minded partners. But we won't stop until every child has a church. There are more children needing churches right now than ever before. 
8,600 new churches need to be planted every year in the United States alone in order to keep up with population growth. That translates to tens of thousands of churches globally. But we don't need only more churches. We need better churches. In the U.S., 3,700 churches close their doors every single year. And globally, many obstacles get in the way of the long-term success of churches. Stadia is committed to meeting the needs of children around the world by planting more and better churches. In the U.S., we now share our portfolio of services with open-handed generosity providing services with no strings attached to planters, organizations, denominations, and networks so that more churches can be planted than ever before. We pray that our generosity may spur others to invest in church planting, both in the U.S. and around the world. We're honored to be a part of the church planting journey, and we anxiously look forward to seeing how God will work to transform the landscape of communities in the United States and around the globe. And we promise we won't stop until every child has a church. If you want to learn more, go to stadiachurchplanning.org.